The people called with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you quarrel with me? This week and next week, I'll be speaking from the topic, loving before leading. Loving before leading. Friends, you may recall that my eldest son is an aspiring actor. Elijah Mays loves to perform. The kid has even started to make some money of late. And he likes to use his money to purchase some of the things that he wants. Mind you, I said wants, not needs. For instance, recently he purchased one of those Polaroid Instamatic cameras. You remember the kind, Sister Lawson, that we used to use in the 1980s? You snap the picture, it comes out the bottom, and you, you wave it in the air while it develops. This is what he wanted. He spent his money, he purchased the camera, and thus Elijah had to begin buying the insanely expensive packs of film that go with it. But it seems last week, my youngest son, Baldwin, decided that he too wanted to be a photographer. Like so many things, he wanted to be like his big brother. I even recalled seeing Baldwin running around the house, waving pictures on several occasions, yet I paid it little mind. Until yesterday, Elijah came storming into my bedroom Baldwin wasted all of my film. Okay, Elijah, calm down. It's not that big of a deal. What do you mean it's not that big of a deal? All of my film's gone. It's okay, Elijah. Baldwin wanted to take pictures like you. He's only five. Don't yell at him. You can get some more film. Do you understand how much that film costs? I bought that film with my money. He wasted all of my money. At that moment, I realized that a 13-year-old was lecturing me about fiscal responsibility. <laughs> In fact, I got a little aggravated. So I said, Elijah, do you really want to have this conversation with me? Do you really want to talk about wasting money? So I proceeded, Brother Gundy, to ask him a series of questions. Who's the one who leaves brand new bottles of body wash upside down in the shower so it all pours down the drain at night? 
Who's the one who's lost countless jackets, scarves, hat, and gloves at school or on the playground? Who gets a new pair of shoes and then feels the need to jump in water puddles? Who leaves the box of cereal wide open at night so the whole box goes stale? Who runs out the house and leaves the front door open with the air conditioning on? Do you really want to have this conversation with me? Or might you want to go back and show some understanding and a little love to your brother? Might you consider extending him the same kind of patience and grace that your mother and I extend to you? Now I'm certain Elijah Mays is somewhere right now still pouting about that camera. But I hope that one day he might realize my point. I pray that one day he might realize the message that I was trying to send, a lesson that's been a hard-earned lesson for many of us at different positions and points in our lives. The hard-earned lesson about the cost of leadership. For whenever you and I have the privilege of serving others. Whenever you and I are blessed with the awesome responsibility of being in a position of power and privilege, and whenever we have others looking up to us as a mentor or a guide, there are some words that we have discovered that we better forget. For if you want to be a leader, there's no such thing as I or mine. If you want to be in charge, there's no such notion as me or my. Whether it's being a parent, whether it's being a great big brother, whether it's being the head of a Fortune 500 company, leadership is fundamentally about other people. It's not, oh, it's not about being selfless, but it is about thinking about oneself less. This is the lesson that I wanted Elijah to see. Stop to think about your little brother's feelings before you obsess over some film. And I'm here to say today, of course, this sermon is not about Polaroid film. Of course, this sermon is not about domestic disputes between siblings, but rather it's about what it means to have control when the going gets tough. What does it mean to lead when the title is more glorious than the actual task? And what does it mean to keep one's composure when the criticism is much more frequent than the commendations? Well, such is the scene in the 17th chapter of Exodus. The children of Israel are making their trek across the desert. The last few weeks have been grueling. Moses stood before Pharaoh with moral conviction and Herculean courage. He declared those four words that have become synonymous with his name. Let my people go. 
When Pharaoh resisted, God plagued rain and plagues down on Egypt. The book of Exodus records an apocalyptic scene that took place for the nation of Egypt as Yahweh declared that there's no power on heaven or no power on earth greater than Abraham's God. Egypt emancipates the Hebrews. The Hebrews are on their way out when Pharaoh changes his mind and he traps them right at the Red Sea. And here it's when God tells Moses to stretch forward his rod. And Yahweh creates a Hebrew HOV lane right through the Red Sea. Moses begins to lead them in search of the land. They set out to find that promised land that Yahweh set aside for the people. The people prayed and Yahweh led them by a cloud by day and fire by night. So they kept on searching. The people were hungry. They prayed and God made bread pour from the sky. So they kept on searching. The people were thirsty and God turned bitter water into sweet water. So the people kept on searching. That gets us to the 17th chapter of Exodus. And it's here that the people begin to grumble against Moses. They begin to take issue with their leader. Moses, it's hot out here. Moses, we're out of water. Did you bring us out here to die of thirst? We could have stayed in Egypt. Look how Moses responds. Moses' response is not unlike my son Elijah Mays yesterday. Moses gets agitated. Moses gets indignant. Moses becomes the aggrieved party in the equation. Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you quarrel with me? The people need water. The people are dying of thirst. They cry out, Moses, you're our leader, do something. And Moses responds, why? Why are you quarreling with me? Then he even says, as some biblical commentators points out, he says, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you challenge God? Moses equates his own leadership with the sacred. friend Moses misinterprets their pain. Moses misconstrues their misery. Moses doesn't seem to understand something. The situation is about them. He makes it about him. The people are giving voice to their fear and anxiety and Moses' response gives voice to his insecurity and thus his defensiveness. Why? Are you attacking me? It's safe to say that in this particular moment, Moses has failed the first class of leadership. Empathy 101. This story, friends, is not about thirst. This story isn't about Moses' inability to provide water. It's about the people's fear. It's about Moses' lack of empathy. 
Put yourself for a second in the Hebrews' shoes. All they've known is Egypt. And in the blink of an eye, their world was turned upside down. Plagues were released. Civil war erupted. A cataclysmic storm cloud upon, descended upon the Red Sea. And now, they're out here following Moses in order to go close on a plot of land that their eyes have never seen. So when they say, Moses, come on, help us. Help us, we're thirsty. Moses, maybe, maybe we should just go on back to Egypt. I have a feeling that these people aren't just concerned about water. Nor do I suspect that they would prefer to go back to servitude. But maybe, just maybe, maybe these people are just looking for someone to say to them, I understand your fear. I feel your pain. My friends, it's never a good sign when a so-called leader can express excuses quicker than he can express empathy. It's hard to earn respect when our skin is thin and our compassion levels are lackluster. Why do you quarrel with me? If only, if only Moses had taken a deep breath and realized that it's not about him at all. It's about the people who were under his charge. Were the hurt Hebrews, were they perfect people? Of course not. As a matter of fact, I'll talk about them next week. But who is perfect? It doesn't matter if they're perfect people. What we do know is that they're precious people. Why? Because they're children of God. And this is why it's important to know how to love before we know how to lead. It's a shame that most people don't think that love and leadership go together. The language of love seems so soft and so mushy. It's too mushy, too milk toast for strong and effective leadership. Yet scientific research, a lot of research even from Harvard Business School, would say that love is a precondition for leadership. For leadership is as much about inspiration as it is about execution. And no matter the role, you and I can never inspire someone who does not believe that we don't care about them first. Oh, you ask, don't believe me? Ask the student at any level. Oh, ask the student at any level. She would tell you that the most memorable teachers were the ones who attempted to get to know her at a human level, not just teacher to pupil, but complicated human being to complicated human being. Oh, you don't believe me? Ask the student athlete. She or he will describe the coaches for whom she was willing to run through a wall for. And nine times out of ten, these are the coaches that proved and demonstrated that they would run through a wall for their players. You ask any employee, 
He will tell you that job satisfaction has less to do with salary and benefits and more to do with honor, compassion, and respect. A happy employee is an appreciated employee. That's why it's the well-known truism of education. People won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Or as my dear former Princeton professor put it, you can't lead the people if you don't love the people. And you can't save the people until you're willing to serve the people. Why do you quarrel with me? Come on, Moses, you're better than that. The people are thirsty, people are afraid. God's precious people are desperate. This is no time for anemic egos or oversensitive self-absorption. They need a leader who cares. For leadership is not found in aggressive words or empty pronouncements. Leadership is not found in lofty titles or claims of authority, but real leadership is found in those who look beyond skin color, look beyond gender, look beyond political differences, look beyond our own bigotries and biases in order to see what God sees. Precious children of God. This is the world that awaits us outside of these doors. Right outside of these doors, right outside of these gates of Harvard Yard, the world is thirsty. This is the world, young people, that awaits you. You've been blessed with so much. God has provided you with so much of what you need that you've been able to lay claim to so much of what you want. That's why you are well positioned to be in a place in life to supply more than water to a thirsty world. You can provide compassion. You can provide love. You can provide understanding. You can provide empathy. The world is thirsty. And I say to you today, go love, go lead.